This is another message brought to you by the Remodel Church. Matthew chapter 28. Matthew is the very first book in the New Testament. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, and his clothes as white as snow, and the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. Golly, highlight that. He is not here. For he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice! So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Verse 11, now while they were going, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened. When they had, when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away while he slept. And if this came to the governor's ears, or if this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. So they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this, is, and this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God, we thank you so much for this day and for what this day represents to all of us. The resurrection of your son. God, we thank you for sending your son to pay for our sins, to pay for our wrongdoings, to pay for our sicknesses and our disease. Thank you for the resurrection, for finishing it, making it complete. We ask you, God, this morning that you would help us to understand your word. Help us to receive your word. But God, more than anything, help us to live your word out. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, Amen. 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 Years ago, there was this little boy. I'm going to call him Little Tony. And Little Tony was, was one of those kids that just never shut up. You ever knew somebody like that? Just never shut up. Always talking. And, and he was a little bit of a storyteller, too. You know, he'd make up stuff. And, and sometimes he'd, he'd tell some a true story, but he'd add a whole lot of fiction to it, you know. Um, he was just one of those kids. 
So that day in class, that Thursday in class, when he reaches over and taps his best buddy, little Kevin, on the shoulder and says, hey, dude, guess what? I'm going to Disneyland tomorrow. Little Kevin's like, yeah, whatever. Well, Friday morning rolls around and little Tony's not there. So Kevin says to himself, wow, for once in his life, he wasn't lying. I guess he did go to Disneyland. And all the whole weekend, little Kevin is thinking about all of the fun Tony must be having. So when Monday morning rolls around and he is excited and he goes and he asks Tony, man, tell me all about it. What was Disneyland like? I've never been. Tell me all about it. I've heard about it. I've seen pictures and and, and all kinds of stuff. But tell me, what was it like? Little Tony says it really wasn't that great, to be honest with you. You know, we. We bought this ticket, cost us like $700,000, but we, we paid our entrance into Disneyland. And, and whenever we got there, we just kind of go into the gates and, and we're just looking around and there's a lot of people around. Yeah, 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 but tell me about the rides, little Kevin says. Tell me about all of the Disney characters. Did you get to take a picture with Mickey Mouse and Goofy? Did you see all of them? No. We just kind of just parked it right there by the gates and just watched everybody come in and everybody come out. What? You didn't go on any of the rides. You didn't take any pictures. No, we just kind of sat there. It was, it kind of, kind of sucked, to be honest with you. It really wasn't, really wasn't that fun. It wasn't that great. And little Kevin can't imagine why in the world you bought your ticket, you got your ticket into Disneyland, and all you did is go into the gates and sat down. That's all you did the entire day? You didn't go ride any rides. You didn't enjoy the, the, the atmosphere. You didn't eat any of the food. You didn't get to take pictures with any of the characters. No. I just kind of just stood there all day. So my question to you this morning is this. Is it Disneyland's fault that little Tony didn't have a good time? Would you just answer that for me real quick? Well, yes or no? Is it Disneyland's fault that he didn't have a good time? No, it's not, is it? It's probably Tony's and his parents' fault that he didn't have a good time. Who in the world takes your kid to Disneyland and says, hey, let's sit right here and watch everybody else have fun? That is pretty evil, isn't it? You see, and the truth is, that is the reality of so many of our Christian lives. We have this amazing ticket into heaven and this amazing power available to us to change us, to mold us, to make us completely different than who we are and who we have ever been. But we don't enjoy it. We kind of just cash our ticket, go into the gates, and just kind of stand there and watch, watch it, everybody else. And our lives aren't changing, and we're not doing anything different, and we're not living a joyful, a full Christian life. And it's not God's fault. It's not heaven's fault. It's our fault for not understanding And so this morning, that's what I want to do. I want to explain to you and I want to show you that this Easter, that that the resurrection of Jesus is so much more than just a ticket out of hell. That's number one. It's not a ticket out of hell. It's a ticket into heaven. You see, I grew up in church and I've been to thousands of revivals and I've heard thousands of messages. And you see, back in the 80s and in the 90s, preachers and early 2000s, preachers literally tried to scare the hell out of you. Right? 
Oh, you better repent in the name of Jesus. You're going to hell. Oh, amen, Jesus. You ever heard that sermon? Trying to scare the hell out of you. That's not what Jesus wants. That's not the relationship God is wanting. You don't want your kids to love you because they're scared of you, do you? That's not the relationship you want out of your kids. Now, granted, I do like whenever I say una. Zion's like, oh, no, I better stop. No, I like that. I'm not going to lie. But not, that's not the whole relationship. I also like it whenever he runs up to me and gives me a hug. I like it when I get home from work and he says, Papa, and he comes running to me. And he gives me about a half a second hug, and then he goes off and does whatever he was doing. But I still enjoy that half a second. See, it's not a ticket out of hell. It's a ticket into heaven. We don't accept Jesus. And Jesus didn't die on the cross and defeat the grave just to get us out of hell. But he did it to get us into heaven. He did it to restore the relationship with him. I want to encourage you to read Romans chapter 5 verses 8 through 10 at home. It's there in your notes. Just highlight it to read it. But basically he's saying if we're saved through the, through the, uh, through the sacrifice, through the crucifixion of Jesus, Paul says, how much more through the resurrection? He says if we were saved while we were enemies of God... Through the crucifixion. You see, that's what we got to understand. We got to understand that before the crucifixion of Jesus and before we accepted Jesus, we were literally enemies of God doing and going against his word, running away from him. We were enemies of God. But whenever Jesus gave his life on that cross, you see, he restored that relationship, a relationship that we could not ever have by our own means, by our own works, by our own merits. Jesus restored for us but it doesn't end there then he says how much more are we alive in him because he is alive see I know I know down here in the south that that message that trying to scare the hell out of people I know I know that is very popular I know a lot of people still like to listen to that kind of stuff and a lot, of, a lot of people still like to preach that, but that is not biblical, man. That's not God. God never said, you better love me or I'm going to send you to hell. That's what kind of love is that? That's not who God is. That's not what he says. Matter of fact, this is what God says. God says, I love you so much. I care about you so much that if you want to go against me and if you want to go to hell, I'm going to make you step over the dead body of my son. That's who God is. Not love me or go to hell. It's not that. It's I love you so much. I'm going to make a way when you can never make a way. I love you so much that you are literally going to have to step over the dead body of my son to get away from me, to run from me. It's not a ticket out of hell. It's a ticket into heaven. Number two, I want us to understand this. The cross gets me into heaven. 
The resurrection gets heaven in me. Go to Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. If you're in Matthew, leave something there and then go to the right. Far, far, far to the right. Your first, your past first and second Corinthians, and then it'll be Galatians. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I want to encourage you all to, to grab a, to have a highlighter. We've got some highlighters in the back. And just highlight scriptures like these, man, that'll just really pop out at you at a later date and, and will remind you who God is and what God wants to say to you. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, the cross gets me into heaven, but the resurrection of Jesus gets heaven into me. The cross gets me out of hell and gets me into heaven. But the resurrection says, I'm going to give you somebody called the Holy Spirit. And he's going to be a helper. He's going to be a counselor. And he's going to be inside of you. And he's going to help you make decisions and make better decisions. He's going to guide your steps. He's going to put heaven inside of me. And when we have heaven inside of me, it changes. It not only changes my eternity, but it also gives purpose and meaning to this life that we live today. See, if life was just all about ourselves or, or just about trying to stay out of hell, if that's all it was, if that's all life is about, man, it's such a shallow, shallow life. So it's a shallow Christian life. That's why so many that we have so many shallow Christians and weak Christians, because that's all we're trying to do is trying to stay out of hell. And as long as we stay out of hell, we're okay. But the resurrection gets heaven into me and that begins to change me. That begins to mold me. That makes that gives purpose and meaning to my life. And that makes me change the way that I live, makes me change the decisions that I make. Number three, Jesus took the cross to change my eternity and he conquered the grave to change my life. Second Corinthians chapter five, 17 says that if anyone is in Christ, they are a new Creation. John chapter 10, verse 10 says, The enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus says, But I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. The cross changes my eternity and it gets me into heaven, but the resurrection is power to change my life. And as a kid growing up, I didn't get this so much. Because again, I grew up in church and I've listened to thousands of sermons and hundreds of different preachers, some great, some really, really needed to just let the microphone go, bro, but they wouldn't. So I'd listen to them for two hours. But I never understood and I didn't capture until I was, I was about 18, 19 years old that it wasn't only about getting into heaven and it wasn't only about not going to hell, but, but that it was actually power to change my life. And you see, and this is why so many of us, and I watched it growing up, I watched these altars fill up week after week after week after week of the same people crying over the same things, over the same mistakes. Has that ever been you? 
Has that ever been us? And we get so frustrated with ourselves because we fell into the exact same hole. We made the exact same mistake. We have the exact same sin. And it ruined one relationship and it ruined one marriage. And we swore it wouldn't ruin the next one. But years later, here we are and it's ruining the next one. We grew up saying we're not going to do what our parents did. We're not going to be abusive like they did. We're not going to be cheaters like they were. We're not going to lie like they were. And here we are 20 years later and we're doing exactly what we said we would never do. That's because all we're saying is thank you God for the cross. And we're not saying thank you for the resurrection that has a power to change my life. To change my decisions. To change my actions. That's what the resurrection does for us. Again, it's so much more than just getting out of hell. But it's the power to change your life. It's the power to have your life changed, to be completely different. You see, when Jesus rose from the grave, he conquered absolutely everything. Anything that you could ever face, any decision that you're facing, any mistake that you've ever made, or any mistake that you're about to make, Jesus conquered it all and he gave you power. Over it. Remember Matthew chapter 28, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. It's all His. All the power is His. And when heaven is inside of us, it begins to give us power to be changed, gives us the ability to be changed. And maybe you've been struggling with the same issue for years. Maybe it's some sort of addiction. Maybe it's some sort of, of sin in your life or, or, or whatever it may be. And you don't understand why you can't seem to get over it. I just want to tell you this morning that you don't have to live life that way forever. I want to tell you that there was power in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he can change you in a moment. The years that you spent crying And in pain and in addiction, Jesus can turn it all all around in a moment, in an instant, in one prayer, in one act of faith. Jesus can turn everything around. That's the kind of power that comes with the resurrection. That's why we celebrate it. That's why we love Jesus. That's why we love the resurrection. The death of Jesus forgave my sins, but his life gives me power over sin. I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. And I want you to highlight this verse. If you're in Galatians, go to the left. You'll hit 2 Corinthians, then you'll hit 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands... Take heed lest he fall. Oh, sorry, I just read verse 12. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. Man, I would highlight that. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. Have you ever felt like you just couldn't help yourself? You just couldn't help yourself. I'll tell you what, man, throughout the last two months, I've started about 20 diets. No joke. 
And see, the issue is I just can't help myself when my son says, Mama, ice cream. And he's licking on that ice cream and I'm like, give me some. <laughs> he's like, no, Papa. I'm like, what do you mean no? Yeah, give me some. And it'd be okay if I just went, oh, okay, that was good. But I'm like, all right, let me get, let me get myself a bow. And it's not like a little bow, it's like a big bow. You ever felt that way? You just can't help yourself. There's just some things in your life that you just can't seem to overcome because you just cannot help yourself. There's some sins that you just can't seem to stay away from because you just can't help yourself. There are some mistakes that you keep making over and over and over again because you just can't help yourself. Well, let's keep on reading. Let's see what he says. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to God, to man. Excuse me. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. But with temptation will also make a way of escape that you will uh, that you will be able to bear it. What he's saying is there's no temptation that you are facing that the power is not already inside of you because of the resurrection of Jesus that you can overcome. You see, and most of us do really, really good as long as we're in church, right? It's, really, it's, it's kind of hard to sin while you're in church. I don't know, though. I've been to some churches, man. I'll tell you what. No, I'm kidding. But I was at this one service one time. And I'm not kidding. Like, they, they, they prayed to start the service. And he's like, Jesus, forgive us of our sins. And I'm like, okay, yeah. Just in case, you know, we weren't good before we got here. Now we're good. And then, like, they pray for the offering. Jesus, forgive us of our sins. And I'm like, all right, that dude's a sinner, I guess. I and then they pray for something else. And like six times, like, Jesus, forgive us our sins. And I'm like, dude, quit sinning, bro. I mean, this an hour and a half service. Come on, get it together. What was I talking about? Sin. That's what I'm talking about. Sin. You see, the power is already inside of us because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because of what he not only did on the cross, but because he did conquer the grave. There's no temptation. There's no struggle. There's no battle that you're fighting this morning that the power of Jesus cannot overcome. The cross forgave my sin. The resurrection, his life, the life of Jesus, him coming back to life, gives me power over sin. So it's not that we just can't help ourselves. It's just that we don't want to help ourselves. And I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you to be real with yourself. You see, this is with sin. We just have to be real with ourselves. Now, I know everybody I know in front of everybody else, we like to put on a show, but we got to be real with ourselves. Right. You know, some of you guys know I like to work out in case you couldn't tell. I like to do it about once a month. No. Stay in shape. 
And whenever, whenever I'm having a conversation with Josh or with Jimmy, yeah, dude, I'm about 275, you know. But when it comes time to put the weights on the bar, I better be real with myself, right? Because if I put 275 and I can't handle 275, I'm about to kill myself. I'm about to die. There's sometimes we just got to be real with ourselves. And I can walk around telling everybody, yeah, 300, that's nothing, bro. I got it. But whenever I'm in that weight room all by myself, I better go back down to 125. <laughs> I'm at 225 or something. <laughs> and it's the same way with sin. You see, if you want to put on a show in front of everybody else, go ahead. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's you. But we better be real with ourselves. We better understand what we can handle and what we can't handle. We better understand that we don't need to put ourselves in some situations and we need to remove ourselves from other situations. You with me? Bro, you struggle with pornography, dude. Cancel Cinemax or what do they call it? Skinemax or whatever. Cancel it, dude. Oh my gosh, I can't say stuff like that. People freak out. That's the truth. It's a multi-billion dollar industry in the United States, man. If we struggle with some issues, we got to be real with ourselves and understand, I got to stay away from that. The power is inside of us to overcome that. And you don't have to keep falling into the same mistakes. You don't have to keep falling into the same shame. You don't have to keep being embarrassed of yourself and ashamed of yourself. The power is inside of you because of the resurrection of Jesus. You can change. You can overcome sin. You can be different. You can live a better life. You can live a better Christian life. You can be a better father. You can be a better mother. You can be a better brother and sister, better son and daughter. Because the power of Jesus and his resurrection is inside of me. It's inside of you. couple things that I want to I want to leave you with here the truth of Jesus man this hit me so hard a couple days ago whenever I was studying this the truth of Jesus will always overcome the lies of the enemy Matthew 28 verses 11 through 15 the Roman soldiers go and tell a couple of people dude Jesus came back from death He rose again, just like he said he would. And what do they do? I want you to highlight those scriptures in your Bible. They don't say, oh, praise be to God. They say, oh, no, we were wrong this whole time. So they take out this wad of cash and they say, what I want you to do is I want you to tell everybody that his disciples came, knocked you guys out, rolled away the stone, took his body, and hid him. We don't want this getting out that Jesus was resurrected from death. We don't want people knowing that Jesus came back to life. We want you to tell everybody that this is just a lie, this is just a game that they're playing. 
But the truth of Jesus and his resurrection was too great of a moment, was too powerful to be held down by lies. And I want you to know that the truth of Jesus and the resurrection today is still more powerful and it's still too powerful in your life and in my life to be held down by lies. Maybe the enemy is telling you this is the way your family is going to be. You're never going to change. You're never going to grow up. You're never going to get past these mistakes. I want to tell you the truth of Jesus will will always Always overcome those lies. Maybe the enemy's telling you you'll never change and you, you can never be healed. This sickness is too big. This addiction is too great. The truth of Jesus can overcome, will overcome those lies. The truth of Jesus and of his resurrection is greater than any lie that you're believing this morning. Maybe you feel like you can't change. You feel like you've made too many mistakes. You feel like you've been away for too long. All of those are lies that the devil is trying to feed you and your family to keep you away. But the truth of Jesus and his resurrection is greater than that. It's bigger than that. One last thing I want to leave leave you with, and I want you to write this down, and I want you to believe this with all of your mind, with all of your heart. And I understand this now that I'm a father, now that I'm a parent of two. I understand that Jesus would have done it all, even if it was just to reach you. The truth is, me as a father, I would lay down my life at any moment, at any time, if it meant to save Zion. If it meant I got to save Adeline, I would lay it down at a moment, at an instant. You see, even for all of these thousands of years, if everybody would have been perfect besides you, which believe me, if everybody would have been perfect besides me, I would have wrecked the whole deal. I guarantee you, I would have. I would have messed it up for everybody. Even if for thousands of years we're all in the, they're all in the garden and, and, you know, all naked and, and eating fruit and all kinds of stuff, I would have been the dude to mess it up, I promise you. Would have made fun of somebody's mole or something, and I don't know. That's the way my mind works. I would have messed it up. I would have. And the truth is, if, if everybody for thousands of years would have been perfect and never messed up and never, never ate the wrong fruit or whatever... And then here comes along you, and you wreck it for everybody. Jesus still would have laid down his life just to reach you, just to save you, just to restore your relationship with God. I want you to believe that this morning. This is the end of the message. For more information, please visit theremodelchurch.com. Thank you.